Oregon State and Washington State still without an official plan, though we know roughly what it's going to be. They've got one plan for the here and now. They're going to fight. You are locked on Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights and soon to be mostly team free. But until then, beloved and loaded conference of champions, like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please. And thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free, which is a good price. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions do apply. Oregon State, Washington State stuff, Cam Ward, quarterbacks, Beavs portal news. We got to get to it all today. So Oregon State and Washington State reportedly blocked roughly $60 million payments that were going from the Pac-12 to the rest of the members of the conference because they are trying to get as much as possible. So this has been a back and forth over the last couple of months. It has played out in court. It's going to continue playing out in court. I think this is all going to get resolved fairly quickly. I will be surprised based on the information available and just kind of this, you know, spidey sense that I have. I'm not Tom Holland. Don't worry. I'm not that cool, though. I wish I could be a one-tenth as cool as him. Anyway, if I if I am correct in in that spidey sense, and you know what I've read and understand, uh, come to understand what people have reported with the sort of stuff, I'll be surprised if we don't have complete and total resolution on the matter well before the end of the year. Frankly, before Christmas, I think this is going to play out pretty quickly. So Oregon State and Washington State making this move are sending a very clear message. And that's that though they were at one point in time named the sole governors and only members of the Pac-12, which would entitle them to many hundreds of millions of dollars and the departing members would get nothing. That move got placed on hold. But so Oregon State and Washington State aren't clearly not just going to roll over and take that. They are trying to get at some level an outside share of a distribution from the Pac-12 that is supposed to go to every member of the conference. They are going to continue to fight this. And you know what? Why wouldn't they? What's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to go through this whole process and then you're going to get what you would have gotten anyway? Or maybe you can, you know, wiggle your way into getting just a little bit more out of the departing schools than you would have otherwise ended up with? Because with no current TV options for 2024, there is an uncertain financial future and a looming gap financially for both of these schools. So, of course, they're acting in their own best interests to go out there and say, yeah, we need to get every dollar that we can everywhere that we can get it. And so I'm still waiting for the schedule drop because that's going to be a fascinating thing. And I will definitely be talking about it here on the show. And I, I mentioned that briefly in the open that we know what some of the matchups will be, but we don't know every single matchup just yet when they play out and what the caliber uh, of that schedule will be for either team, frankly. 
They have a number of other things to figure out. There's a lot going on at these particular institutions. Jake Dickert is, you know, putting out tweets that he's on the recruiting trail and Trent Bray has made a couple additions in the transfer portal. They've had some more departures and I'll talk about those later on, on today's show. The Sun Bulls are going to be really interesting, by the way. I would take the beebs if you're a gambling person out there. But anyway, that's just me. So I, I think that for Oregon State and Washington State, their continued willingness to fight this means that they believe at some level they're either going to get a concession or settlement from the departing schools that gives them more money than they are entitled to in the eyes of the 10 departing schools, or they feel like they have a legal case because I don't think they would be still going after this. I don't think they'd still be barking up this tree if there was absolutely positively nothing there. And I'm not going to pretend to interpret all of the legal jargon. That's up to the lawyers. Once upon a time, this is a true story, I thought about becoming a lawyer. I didn't do that. I'm doing this instead. And frankly, between you and me, though I am making significantly less money doing this than I would if I were a lawyer, I'm having way more fun in the first five minutes of this show than I would have ever had being a lawyer. So appreciate you all for, for supporting it. But the bees and the cougs, they're just fighting. <laughs> they are just out there fighting for survival. I, for one, salute them. And I don't know how it's going to play out legally because that's something it's going to go to this court and that court, or it could go here or there. Or, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, what's, what's the Matthew McConaughey line from the Wolf of Wall Street? It's a, it's a Fagazi, Fagazi, it's a Wazi, it's a Woozy, it's a fairy dust. That's essentially what's going on here. It's like, yeah, we're just going to sit back and let this all go. Now, from a moral standpoint, I understand the people. There are some people online, not, not that many, I don't think, but there are some people who are just adamant that everyone should get the share that they're entitled to this year. There's no way that Oregon State and Washington State should get anything more than an equal share. And I'm like, oh, I, I don't know. If you're just looking at the situation from a moral and a in a fairness argument for anyone who wants to make that particular case, is it fair that they are in this position? No, it absolutely is not. And it's because of decisions made by everybody else. So just from a moral standpoint or reasonableness, justice, whatever you want to call it, yeah, they should maybe get a little bit more. Should they get everything? Yeah, maybe that's too much. We'll let the courts decide all of that. But Oregon State, Washington State, they're fighting. They are still fighting, and they want to get as much as they can because that's what's in their best long-term interests. Because if they're going to rebuild the conference one day, they, as universities, but also as a conference, would like to have as much money in their war chests as they possibly can to keep coaches interested, to attract players for NIL. I mean, everything like they, they need to have as much as they possibly can help pay exit fees for other teams potentially one day, like whatever may have you and whatever's going to happen with, with the conference. I think that that is just going to be an essential element. You know, if they, if they're only able to get an equal share with the rest of the 10 members, I think that at least in the short term reduces the possibility of trying to go the route of rebuilding the league. And, and maybe they maybe they just operate as the actual Pac-2 conference and, you know, don't play in a conference championship game, which you don't have to do to make the 12-team playoff, by the way. And their schedules, you know, once we see them, we'll you know for sure. But in theory, they're good enough if they have a really, really good season to get into – because remember, they've both got Oregon and Washington on their schedules, right? Oregon State's got Oregon. Washington State's got Washington. 
That's a big time game. It's a big time game for exposure, and it's a big time opportunity. If you win a rivalry game there, hmm, suddenly that resume, if they go eleven and one or ten and two, suddenly that looks pretty darn good and could be a, a candidate there. So it's a difficult pitch. I have to imagine that both head coaches, though, want everything to get wrapped up because as you're going through the world of the transfer portal and high school recruiting, which does still matter. Obviously, the portal is all the rage and all the talk and everything, but High school recruiting still matters. You got to have something to tell those kids. Like Trent Bray, you know, said on John Canzano's show that, you know, we tell kids we're going to compete at a high level and you're going to have a chance to come here and win a lot of football games. But he doesn't have anything tangible to hand them right now. Other than, you know, it hasn't been formally agreed to, but the Oregon game. And Jake Dicker can say, you know, the Washington game. And we're going to play these teams out of the mountain West. We're going to play these power five teams. But when you have an actual schedule that you can put in front of a kid, I I think that makes a a pretty significant difference. And so I think they want to get this wrapped up quickly. I think it will be wrapped up quickly. And I think that we're going to know here pretty soon. So if you got any questions or whatnot, by all means, drop them in the YouTube comments or hit me up on uh, X formerly known as a Twitter. Cam Ward is still available in the transfer portal. He's perhaps the hottest commodity in all of college football. And with good reason, you can make yourself a hot commodity when you're a job searcher over at LinkedIn. Cause when you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free, which is a really great combination there. And LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion, that's billion with a B, professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. That's one day's time for all of us math whizzes out there. You can go post your job for free, an outstanding price, once again, on linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free, which is super easy to do. You go over there and do it. The qualified candidates come to you. LinkedIn.com slash locked on college, post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Cam Ward. I'm really high on Cam Ward. I think he's been great for Washington State the last couple of years. Not a perfect player. Nobody really is. He's got NFL potential. He's going to command a very high NIL opportunity. And there have been rumblings that he could go to Miami. So I think that Cam Ward should be a highly coveted transfer and that he is capable of going to a team and helping them compete for a college football playoff. He is helping. He's capable of going to the right team and competing for a national championship. He can make big time, high level throws. Sometimes he tries to do too much. Yes, 100%. 
I saw a crystal ball rumor, whatever you want to call it, that he could go to Miami and Mario crystal ball. I think that would be a mistake. If I were Cam Ward looking at the landscape of college football, open quarterback jobs where I'd want to go and, and best give myself the chance to maximize my abilities and therefore NFL potential and win at a high level in 2024, I would want to go to Ohio State. No questions asked. No matter what happens in that receiver room, Julian Fleming's in the portal, maybe he comes back, maybe he doesn't, I don't know. Marvin Harrison, NFL, big NIL package, maybe he comes back, I don't know. When was the last time Ohio State didn't have above-average wide receivers? Last time I checked, they are known as wide receiver U. So that's the first thing. That is, that is the first reason of several that I'm about to list why Ohio State should be Cam Ward's top option and where I would be looking if I were him. The second reason is Ryan Day. Ryan Day is a really good offensive mind. And I know that right now, he takes heat from Ohio State fans because he's lost to Michigan three years in a row. Newsflash, Jim Harbaugh, very good. Sorry to break it to you. All sorts of scandal with, with Jim Harbaugh and whatnot right now. I get it. You might not like him. He's a little dorky. He's a really good football coach. He's really, really good. And Ryan Day is really, really good. This is the same guy, Ryan Day, who recruited, developed, and developed even more C.J. Stroud. That guy looks pretty darn good. By the way, that C.J. Stroud team a year ago took the eventual national champions to the point where they had a field goal. It was a 50-yarder, but if he makes it, Ohio State goes and gets to beat up on TCU. Instead, Georgia got to do it. I, I know that he's come up short in several key big games. He keeps getting there time and time again. Ryan Day is a really good football coach. He hasn't won the big one yet, but guess what? He's coached in a national championship game. He's been in the college football playoff, and yeah, Michigan's rolling right now. But guess what? He's a really good coach, and he's a really good offensive coach. And the system he runs consistently allows quarterbacks to succeed. Ever since he took over, as head coach of Ohio State, their quarterbacks have been productive. That is, until this year, Kyle McCord, I haven't checked his numbers. He was not that impressive. Cam Ward, I think, has got more upside than Kyle McCord. And he's got more experience than Kyle McCord. And if McCord had stayed at Ohio State, by the way, I'm not so sure he couldn't have turned into a really good quarterback. C.J. Stroud was a lot better by the time he left than when the time he first arrived to Columbus. There's no doubt about that. So you've got a head coach who's got an offensive background, who's got a great reputation with quarterbacks, and who wins a lot of football games year in and year out. That's reason number two. Reason number three, at Washington State, something that ultimately did them in this year is that they did not have enough talent top to bottom to compete with a really good and deep Pac-12. You're not going to have that problem at Ohio State. You're not going to have an utter lack of a running game. You're not going to have an offensive line that sometimes is overmatched. If you go to Ohio State, you know for certain you're going to have at least well above average wide receivers. 
Heck, if Marvin Harrison Jr., who I don't think is declared for the NFL draft yet, despite winning the Bolitnikoff and is a projected top five pick, if that guy were to come back, I don't think he will. But if he did, how much better does that job look? And here's the other thing and why I like Ryan Day. The criticism of him was that his teams weren't physical. They got pushed around. That was true, by the way. Michigan, physical, running football team. Mario Cristobal's Oregon team went in there and won. You know what they were? A physical, running football team. They ran all over them. I watched Ohio State a number of times this year. They weren't getting out physical. They lost by six on the road against Michigan. They were driving to score a touchdown that would have put them into the college football playoff. And they threw an interception. Happens. Michigan's really good. You're playing a really good team on the road. But when I look at Ohio State and the job that Ryan Day has done there, I also look at their defense and say, it's gotten significantly better. They hired Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State a couple of years ago. It's been a great hire. He's completely revamped the defense and made them a legitimate unit. They recruit at a high level. This is a place where Cam Ward can go, plug and play, elevate his draft stock, compete for a college football playoff spot, especially in the 12-team era, and a national championship. That's why I think that's the right place for him. Instead, he's considering Miami, and I think that's a colossal mistake. Mario Cristobal's record developing quarterbacks is straight up bad. Go ask any Oregon fan. Mario Cristobal is a great recruiter. He's an outstanding offensive line coach. And he will give you a unit that will protect your quarterback and you'll be able to run the football. And he's a great culture guy. He's a motivator. He does a lot of things well. He does not develop quarterbacks. Justin Herbert had some analysts, Joel Klatt included, who is one of the sharpest guys in all of college football, saying Justin Herbert wasn't a first-round talent at quarterback because his numbers were not very good. And he was throwing, he was handing the ball off too much. And he was throwing a bunch of screen passes. Then he goes in the NFL. They un, they unleash him a little bit. And you go, wait a minute, he's Joe Montana out here? His senior year, this is a true stat. Justin Herbert's senior year with Mario Cristobal as his head coach. Oregon did win the Pac-12 championship and a Rose Bowl, by the way, against Wisconsin. However, Justin Herbert threw almost one in every four passes at or behind the line of scrimmage. A guy with that arm was being hamstrung like that. It's part of his identity. It's really similar to what Jim Harbaugh does at Michigan. And J.J. McCarthy, by the way, is Brock Purdy back there. He's got to make a couple throws, but mostly eh, running game and defense. going to take care of the situation. That's what Mario Cristobal wants to do. I don't think that that is a stylistic fit. I don't think that's a great coaching fit for Cam Ward. If he wants to maximize what he is as a football player, and what he can be in the NFL, Miami is not the place to go. That that is not the place to go. Look at what happened with Tyler Van Dyke. I mean, you had people talking about him in the Heisman NFL first-round discussion. Anybody seen or heard from him lately? It's just not a good fit. I don't know what the appeal is to go down there unless they're putting together a crazy big NIL package. Maybe he'd do that. And if that were the driving factor, I'd say that's a downside of NIL. Kids are going to make decisions that are financially oriented that are not going to benefit them in the long run in their careers. 
Ohio State is not the only suitable option for Cam Ward. But if they're interested in him, I, I would get in Cam's ear and I'd say, go to Ohio State. Go to Ohio State. That is the place to go. If the Buckeyes are interested in you, do you want to go to a place that just went 11-1 and and viewed the season as a disappointment or a team that is trying to build off of a 7-5 and year? To me, Cam Ward just went to a place where he's helping build things back up, and that's at Washington State. And he did that, by the way. Washington State was competitive and relevant. They had two huge wins over Wisconsin the last couple of years. He did what he was supposed to do, what Washington State wanted him to do. And that was give you production at the quarterback position to help you be competitive and relevant. And the rest of the team, nope, they didn't follow suit. And Cam Ward was certainly not always perfect. But if you're Cam Ward, you have one year left of college football. How do you want to spend it? If you go to Miami, it feels like that's, what, 9-3 and three team in a good year? Ohio State's not going 9-3 and three next year. They'll go 10-2 and two at worst. And that could get him into the college football playoff. So that's why I would go to Ohio State and not Miami if I were Cam Ward. If I were you, I'd go check out FanDuel. Because as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers, they stay hot. Like a piping hot pot of tea that I brew every morning because I'm a big tea drinker. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins, whoever that team may be. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. The best way to spice up bowl season? Yeah, that'd be FanDuel. A lot of of talk out there about meaningless bowl games. They don't mean anything. Well, they can mean something to you. If you go check out FanDuel, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Kick off the NFL season as well. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. All right, before I get to Oregon State, got a mailbag question here. Touched on this yesterday. Wanted to expand upon it today. The three quarterback finalists for the Heisman this year are all transfers in their second year at their current schools. Given that, is there a best time to bring in players to the transfer portal based on remaining eligibility, and does that vary by position? It has to have the right fit. So Kyle McCord, for instance, could be a great transfer addition to a place like, just as a local example, Oregon State. They want someone who is good now, but could maybe get even better next year, because if you have someone who's ready to plug and play and come in and play at you know a Heisman caliber level, that's a guy who's probably going to get attracted to a bigger program that can also probably offer more NIL money. But with regards to the timing, I don't know that there is a best time because every situation is different. Every player is different. Every team, every coach, every fan base, it's all very different. I think you have to analyze the circumstances on on a case-by-case basis. So when you're talking about remaining eligibility, sometimes you can bring guys in. Look at Michael Penix. Two years at Washington, Bo Nix. Two years at Oregon, Caleb Williams. Two years at USC. They all had tremendous success. They were brought in at different points in their careers. Caleb Williams had one year at Oklahoma, two years at USC. Penix had three years at Indiana, two at Washington. Knicks, three years at Auburn, two at Oregon. So 
I think that it depends on the situation because some places might want to bring in a guy like Dante Moore, for instance, who is more developmental and might need to sit for a year. You might have a veteran quarterback. Dante Moore could end up going to Oregon. Like that is a real possibility. It could make a lot of sense because if he wants to be serious about sitting for a year and developing, he could go learn from an experienced quarterback in Dylan Gabriel and then be ready to start by 2025. And he's a tremendously talented kid. He just struggled this year because he was kind of thrust in the fire. He didn't have a chance to kind of adapt and learn the game. He was, you know, he, he was just thrown out there. So I think that for, for a guy like that, pause, need a sip. I think for a guy like that, going to a contender doesn't make a lot of sense. Could also make a lot of sense for Dante Moore to go to a place like Michigan, which is where he's from. He's closer to home. He could go to a, an, <clears throat> excuse me, an offensive system where he's not required to do as much. That could work. Dante Moore to Miami, by the way. If that were to become a reality, yeah, I could see that. That could absolutely work because Mario Cristobal likes running the football and wants his quarterback to be a complimentary piece. And if that's the case, not as much on the shoulders of Dante Moore. So I don't think there is one right answer because Dylan Gabriel, for instance, fits well at Oregon. Penix fit really well at Washington. Cam Ward fit really well at Washington State and I think would fit well at Ohio State. But I don't think there's a uniform standard of, oh, you only want a grad transfer. You only want a third-year sophomore. You only want someone who was a true freshman a year ago. Every situation is different. Good question, though. All right, let's talk portal here for Oregon State. So Oregon State added a center from Colorado. His name is Van Wells. I'll get to him in a moment. They lose uh, their kicker, Atticus Sappington. And I saw the most hilarious tweet. I think Oregon State fans can laugh at this. If it's too soon, let me know. And I apologize, but I thought it was pretty funny. Someone quote tweeted uh, another tweet that that said, you know, Oregon State kicker Atticus Sappington is in the transfer portal. And someone said, Jonathan Smith has found his running back. I thought that was pretty funny. Maybe it's because I'm not an Oregon State fan. I don't know. Uh, Like, let me know, honestly, because I thought that was a pretty good jab after that fiasco down in Tucson earlier this year. But the Van Wells edition is an interesting one. Now, on the surface, adding an offensive lineman who started at Colorado this year does not appear to be a great idea. Totally understand that gut reaction. Jake Levengood is out of eligibility. Oregon State going, is going to be replacing a couple of pieces along what was one of the best offensive lines in the Pac-12 this year. And Van Wells, I think, is capable of being solid because that's what he was this year for Colorado. He was solid, not elite. He, he, he was not great, was not outstanding, but he was solid. So he was a three-star recruit coming out of high school. He grades as a three-star transfer according to 24-7 sports. His PFF grade this year was 67 and a half. That's not great, but if it were below 60, that's when I'd be concerned. So, you know, anything above 70, you know, on PFF is considered good. And I think that they do an outstanding job of grading offensive and defensive linemen. I think other positions, it can, it can be a little hit or miss because sometimes they're factoring in, like they have a receiving column for quarterbacks. I don't know how much that's getting factored in, but, um, 
I think that PFF overall is good. So his overall grade was 67 and a half on, on PFF, which is like slightly below what you'd consider a good player. You know, 70s is good, 80s above average, 90s is you're probably an All-American or first-round pick in the NFL draft. Like Laiatu Latu had a grade of over 90 the entire season on, on, on PFF. Or Jackson Powers, and he's an All-American. Or Jackson Powers Johnson, Oregon, an All-American, also had a very high grade. So I, I think they do a good job in the trenches there. His run blocking grade is where he struggled. Now, does that align with what Oregon State wants to do? Not particularly. 64.6 was his run blocking grade. His pass blocking grade, however, was 80.7. And I think you also have to consider that when you're dealing with guys along the offensive line, who you have around you matters a great deal. Like you could be a great individual, especially on the interior offensive lineman, but if you don't have a guard next to you, which Colorado did not, they allowed interior pressure all season long, that's capable of succeeding consistently and winning battles and helping you on double teams, I think that could probably make you look bad. So I, I think that, you know, a transfer was always pretty likely for Oregon State with Levin Good gone. And, you know, he's a guy who he's not going to be snapping the football for the first time. And he had a decent season. And I think that if he's in a better situation, which Oregon State absolutely still can be in 2024, even though they've obviously had some notable names hit the portal, I think that that's someone who Oregon State should expect to be their starting center next year. Who's he going to snap the ball to? I don't know. I don't know. I know who it won't be. And before I get to that, I'll just tell you, that Sun Bowl – Kind of like the Beavs outright. Why? Oregon State will be starting Ben Goldbranson, backup quarterback. Oh, by the way, did I mention Sam Hartman, the Notre Dame quarterback, has opted out of the bowl game? Now, of the two programs, Oregon State and Notre Dame, who has had to do more with a backup quarterback in the last couple of seasons? Answer, Oregon State. I actually watched them be a 10-win team with Ben Goldbranson back there. I'm just saying. Who do you like more, the backup quarterback? How about the team that played with a backup quarterback almost all of last year and had their best season since 2006? I'm going with that team, so that's uh, interesting. As for who could be Oregon State's quarterback next year, Taylor Green is not an option. The Boise State transfer has chosen to go to Arkansas. These are the sorts of guys that – are going to be challenging for the bees to pick up going forward. And why I think they need to, you know, get the ball rolling on having a schedule out there and, you know, obviously trying to make the best of it that you can. Sometimes when an SEC school comes calling for a kid, Oregon State's just not going to win that battle very often. So Taylor Green, who, you know, is from the same area, I believe went to the same high school as Damian Martinez in Texas. That was an option. That option is off the board. Ty Thompson, though, still available. Jaden Delora, not in the portal. Could be. You never know. Portal's open for a while. Braden Shager from Hawaii. That's still an option out there that I have suggested on more than one occasion. We'll see who else goes in. Dylan Morris at Washington. Guy's played football before. He didn't play great. He also didn't have a great coaching staff. So do we really know what Dylan Morris is? Eh, no, 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 no. He's got one year of eligibility, but he uh, will go with Washington to their to their bowl game. There, there are some options. There are some options. We'll talk about more of them on, on tomorrow's show. But that's kind of the latest for the portal. Beavs and Cougs, 
I'd say right now still undetermined on their quarterback in 2024. And that might be something that, you know, potential quarterback targets in the portal for, for OSU and Wazoo are waiting to hear on, hey, what's the schedule going to be? How much money is available? What's the conference going to look like? What's, you know, is there a plan and all that sort of stuff? I, I think we're going to hear and know for certain in the next few weeks, and I'll certainly be covering it here on the show. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. And until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.